We serve a mighty God. Amen. Praise God. It is great to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Um, I have been excited about this night, and I have been concerned because Brother Jury and Brother Johns have built this up so much. And talking about the anticipation, I'm like, well, um, they're expecting full miracles to take place on Wednesday night, and I'm going to come with my own music. It's just going to follow me. So a little bit worried about that. No, but I, I believe the Word of God, and I, and I thank God for the opportunity um, for the position that He has put me in, and the kingdom of God, and working uh, for Brother Johns, and, and with Brother Johns and the team here at Atlanta West, um, I, I don't think it can be matched, and, and I thank God for this opportunity. Don't you love our staff here at Atlanta West? Amen. In, in discussing this topic with Brother Jury, um, in a couple of the sessions, we've we split the time up. We've actually had someone uh, take a, a few minutes at the beginning of the message. And I've asked Brother John Turner if he can go ahead and make his way. Let's give Brother John Turner a hand. <laughs> Brother John Turner is a great fin- friend, a businessman. And um, I just want him to share a few moments, and then I will follow up with him. So tonight, we're going to be talking about resolution, conflict resolution. And um, he's going to take a part, and then I'm going to take the the second part, and we're going to have a lot of fun. Is everybody relaxed? Look at your neighbor and said, I'm going to be good at conflict resolution. Going to be better after tonight. Amen. Brother John, thank you. Thank you, Brother Brad. Y'all are relaxed except for me. You know, this Christians at Work series has been pretty awesome. My wife and I were talking about it. We've really, really enjoyed it. Has, haven't, haven't you enjoyed this? Hasn't it been amazing? Yes. So I know that I speak to many people here tonight who understand how to deal with people in your jobs and, and uh, know how to deal with customers And most everyone here has probably dealt with an angry customer at some point or another, and you know that feeling, and you know, you start off with that sense of, I didn't start this, but I'm sure going to finish it, although that's probably not the best method. So I'm the uh, regional director at AccuQuest Hearing Centers uh, here in the Atlanta area, and i I'm in a challenging work environment at least once or twice every single week. And I happen to offer a product that most people don't want to begin with. And, as one of my patients said today, it's a small fortune. So often the spouse who has had enough has dragged this poor soul into my office to get the help they've been putting off for an average, according to statistics, of seven years. And since hearing aids don't take a person's hearing back to when they were 21 again, I often have to manage both highly emotional people and unmet expectations. So I've had to learn how to resolve some conflicts. And many times the conflict is sitting in front of me, not even, you know, between me and the customer. But for me, this all began when I was young, learning how to control my temper as a kid. And there were moments when 
I had a pretty serious temper. And I remember being about 11 years old and reading a verse of scripture that stood out to me and it changed how I looked at my own emotions. Proverbs 16.32 says, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. And as a small 11-year-old, I thought, I want to be greater than the guy who can take the city. And so that's where it began for me. And of course, the scripture that many people think of, Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. And I like this scripture because it shows you that it isn't just what you say, but how you say it. Right. So thankfully, there are many tools out there to help a person resolve conflict. And of course, there are many different ways you can look at conflict resolution, but I'm going to focus just for a few minutes on the customer. So I have a little story. I'm going to call this story, I Want My $500. And this was a, a, a bad situation for me. Um, I have to say that I wish I could say that I handled this the best way possible. But this was one of those scenarios that got to me. And, but it, it also my story of how I managed to recover. So I had a patient come in. He got some hearing aids, told me that he was in a situation financially where he could not do very much, but he desperately needed some help and wanted some help. And so he came into my office and we worked out something for him. I looked at some technology, wasn't our most newest technology, and worked things out for him using our promotions. And I got him some hearing aids and I fit him. And he came back the first week and he was really happy. And everybody loves really happy customers, right? So he was really happy and I was like, yes, thank goodness this worked out right this time. And I was glad and I told him, I said, you know what, we're going to set you up with a two-week soft appointment, which means that if in two weeks you're doing well, when we call you to remind you of the appointment, you're, you do not have to come in. You can simply uh, let our office manager know and they'll reschedule you for three months and we'll see you then for a cleaning. And he said, that's great. And so he left and he was so happy about his experience, he told his boss about it. And so his boss came in and, and uh, referrals generally happened to be really good experiences. I don't have to prove anything. You know, I have a person here. He's already said this is a great product. John is great. You can just go in and talk to him. He'll get you taken care of. And so I got this guy, and I got him ready, and I got him set up. And sure enough, he got the same hearing instruments that the other guy did, and he seemed really happy. And about the middle of the week, he called back, and he said, hey, John, he said, I just want to cancel my order. And I'm like, what? You know, great deal. How can this be? And so I talked to him for a second. I was like, you know, what's going on? And he said, well, you didn't give me my coupon for $500 off. I said, well, I mean, actually, that's not true. When, when I quoted you the price, I showed you that this was our, our price with that promotion. And he said, nope, you didn't give it to me. 
And so at this point, he said, and I want to cancel. Just cancel my order. So I'm like reeling here. I'm like, okay, this is going a little faster than I want it to go. I'm on the phone with this guy. So at some, I, I just kind of back off and I say, okay, all right, look, I mean, uh, it, it, I don't know how there was a misunderstanding, a miscommunication. I mean, if I was able to, I, I can't give you that 500, but if I was able to give you, you know, another $200 off just to, you know, to, to let you know that we're, we're sorry that maybe we didn't communicate this well, he said, no, cancel my order. Either give me the $500 or cancel my order. So my, I mean, my temperature is going up. I'm like, okay, all right. I said, I'll do that for you. I said, this was not what our actual promotion was, but because there may have been a misunderstanding here, I would rather make you happy. And so I did the right thing, and I hung up the phone. Well, the next day, he called back and canceled anyway. I was like, okay. Well, about a week later, the other patient comes back in that has been happy with his hearing aids now for two or three months. And he says to me, he says, John, I just, I'm just not happy with my hearing aids. I just can't, uh, I, I, I got these ear infections and I have a, an autoimmune disease. And, and so these things are going to cause this problem for me. You know, I, I just have to return them. So according to our agreement, he can't return them at this point. But, I mean, he's coming in here with a legitimate situation. So I tell him, I said, look, you know, this is one of those scenarios. Uh, you know, I'd like to talk you through this. So tell me what's happened. When did you start getting an infection? And it turns out it had just been in the past week. He'd had quite a few successful months, you know, with no problem. And all of a sudden, you know, we have this issue. You know, it's probably not the hearing instruments. And I explained to him, I said, you know, if hearing instruments were manufactured and to, to give people ear infections, there probably wouldn't be very many dispensed out there. In fact, we use materials that help prevent this exact sort of thing. And in fact, if you want to give yourself an extra step, you can put alcohol wipes on the tips and that'll help prevent this sort of thing. And, and so I think that that will help you solve your problem. And, and so I think this is a win-win because I have helped him, you know, to resolve this issue and, and we'll move on. He said, you know what, John? No, I tell you what, I, I, I want to return them, but, but if I can't return them, I want my $500 off. I'm like, come on, man. So because uh, I was already a little bit peeved, a little bit just miffed about the situation with his boss, I said to him, I said, we can't do it. I said, I already told you that the promotion I gave you, I worked with you for this technology, I've already given you that promotion. And he said, well, you gave it to, to my boss. I said, that was a situation where there potentially was a miscommunication. I was just trying to work out the situation. At this point, I really knew there was a no-win deal here. This was not going to work out to, 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 to benefit uh, AccuQuest. I just was going to need to work with this but I wanted to see if I could push through. So I kept going. And I said, I can't do it. And he said to me, he said, well, you're gonna do it or I'm gonna return these hearing aids. You can't return the hearing aids. You're already past your satisfaction guarantee. Well, my lawyers will say different. I'm sorry, sir, we can't do this. It's not how it works. And, and, and what would you tell your lawyers? Well, you didn't give me my two follow-up visits that you told me that you were going to give me. And I told him, well, it's like, 
I said, we scheduled the visit, but if you were happy, you didn't have to come in. But I didn't come in, so you didn't give me my two visits. So this was getting out of control. So it began to progress from there. And he started telling me that what was happening was completely dishonorable, and I had deceived him, and I hadn't treated him fairly and right. And I'm telling you, it's, it, I wish I could say that I kept my cool, but I was so frustrated. I said to me, I was like, are you telling me that I lied to you and that I, I, I'm dishonorable? Is that what you're saying? He says, no, John, I just want my $500. <laughs> I said, excuse me. And I walked out of the office, and I know for a fact that he probably could have left that building right then. I may have never had a chance to fix that situation, but I couldn't stay in the room. So I walked in the back lab, and I called my boss, and I said, look, you know, here's the situation. I said, you know, he's not right. You know, I don't want to make it right. Um, I just, this is, you know, this is, this is, this is just out of, out of hand. And he said, John, he said, look. He said, we have practitioners that let this thing go to, through the attorneys and it goes to the, you know, goes to the courts and, you know, it, it gets handled this way. And, and we have, you know, our associates, they testify. He said, I'll just tell you, I said, you know, you can do it. He said, but it rarely works out in our favor and it just costs us a lot. And so, John, I'll back you up if, if you really want to push this. He said, but if I were you, it would probably just be best if you just went in there and gave him that $500. So I got off the phone and I just had to stop and I had to pray. <laughs> and you know, prayer really does help us. And somehow I managed to grit my teeth and pull it together. And I walked in the room and I said, okay, I'm going to give you that refund of that $500. Thank you, John. I so appreciate it. You'll never hear another word about this. You ever feel like you've been played? And in that situation, it just helped me so much to know later on, after dealing with my own spirit, that there is a way to resolve conflict and in many cases, you hope it's a win-win. Many times it's they win. And if you're ever in a situation where you win and they lose, there's a good chance that you didn't resolve that conflict. You just maybe ended it, if you can. And so I just want to say that most every time your temper is the enemy in resolving conflict. It will not help you as much as you want it to, especially in situations like I just described. And so I'm very appreciative. I'll give you a little resource. If you've had some challenges with customer service, this book here, recommended by Dave Ramsey, called QBQ, has really really changed the way that I look at customer service, the question behind the question. And if I was going to summarize it for you, 
It basically says that when people have problems, you don't want to be defensive and try to give excuses. You simply want to find out the issue and correct it. I had a situation where my wife and I, we went to a hotel for a friend's wedding. We went up to the room and we had our brand new baby boy and we dropped uh, the, the bottle on the floor on accident. We picked it up and there was stuff on the bottle. And then we went in the bathroom to wash it off and when we turned on the faucet, the water came out rusty. And so I walked downstairs thinking I was going to have a very reasonable request. And I said, listen, I said, I went up to my room. I want to explain the situation. I had this, you know, I don't know that the room was cleaned thoroughly. And the night manager, we had gotten there late. He said, I'm so, he's, no, he didn't say, I'm sorry. He said, you know what? He said, our, our maintenance guy wasn't here. Our housekeeping wasn't able to get here. They just weren't able to get it taken care of. And I said, okay. May I have another room, please? And in that scenario, he had an opportunity to fix the situation. But instead of fixing it, he chose to make excuses. He chose to be defensive. And after you read this book, you'll always notice when somebody makes excuses rather than help you fix the issue. But it's a powerful thing to learn how to resolve conflict. And if you can help people get to the issue, it really makes a difference. And so here's just a couple things that help me. Number one, when somebody comes to me with some of these issues, and they come with a lot of issues, for example, uh, John, your marketing said it was going to be this, 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 and this. And these hearing aids aren't working. And I spent thousands. And I just, you know, just give me that test, and I'm going to go home, and I'm going to think about it. You know, they tell me all this stuff. And so one of the things that I'll do is when they bring those issues in, I'll say, okay, so your hearing aids are not working. Is that correct? When did they stop working? Instead of responding to all the anger, I just restate what they've said to me. This does two things. It calms the patient down. It lets them know that I've heard what they've said. And then at the same time, gives me time to think of how I'm gonna handle this. And a lot of times, I don't even have to think because by asking them what happened or when it happened or to, by restating the question, it allows me the chance to hear what the real issue is. And they will respond by saying, oh, well, just a week ago it stopped working. Well, that's no problem. Let me take care of that for you. And what started out as somebody that came in so angry and so frustrated, I was able to not get defensive and say, well, you didn't read the marketing right or I already told you that this was gonna happen, or whatever defenses or whatever excuses you'll give, they don't care about that. They just want the problem fixed. Whatever it is, they just want it fixed. And so there are ways that you can handle it. So take a mo moment to listen and help them fix the issue. And most of the time, if I'll stay calm, I can help them do that. And I'll conclude with this. Matthew chapter five, verse nine says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And so it is possible to take the scripture and help, uh, and help you to learn how to resolve conflict with your customers. 
It, it can help you to change. And you can say, well, John, that's just not the way my personality is. But it wasn't my personality. And with the Lord's help and with prayer and working on these things and using resources that I've found, you can change and you can learn how to handle these situations. Thank you very much. Thank you, Brother John. I appreciate that very much. Um, And as you can see, maybe I should say as you can hear, um, that there are many ways to resolve or reconcile. Maybe, Brother John, maybe the first guy just didn't hear you. But but, uh, I'm glad that your wife is sitting here. Sister Tessa, you know, I got a hearing aid from you guys. Um, John, I didn't get $500. We'll talk about that later, though. If you need a hearing aid, um, Brother John is running a promotion, I hear. <laughs> Not at the escape room. At the <clears throat> I, uh, I understand there's a lot of different ways to handle conflict. A businessman was seated on a train between two ladies. That's it. Not play. <laughs> they, were, they were arguing. Back and forth, the two ladies, and after the gentleman was thoroughly disgusted, one claimed that she would die of heat stroke if that window stayed closed. The other lady spoke up in anger and said that she would expire of pneumonia if it was opened. Back and forth, back and forth, the banner went. The conductor came. He didn't know how to resolve the conflict. Finally, after failed attempts, the gentleman spoke up and said, well, I've got an idea, ladies. First, let's open the window. It will kill that one. (laughs) Then let's close it. It'll take care of that one. And then we will have peace. (laughs) Right and wrong ways of conflict. Right, Brother Hall? But when you are the owner, you're the operator, the manager, the supervisor, having to interface with the public in retail, or maybe you have clients that you must satisfy, or it may be you managing employees, or if you are even a hardworking hourly employee, having conflict with your coworkers. Conflict is conflict. And I look over and I see poor Sister Smith. Sister Smith was my first grade school teacher, y'all. Conflict, I'm sorry. (laughs) Conflict's resolution, I believe, is a tool that we must all learn to use in some way. And I use the word tool intentionally because you must learn to resolve conflict. I don't think it just comes natural to some people. Some people may be, you know, a little more kind in this area, a little more patient in here, but conflict resolution is difficult. It's something that I think that you can learn uh, to get better at. Um, as a young boy, Boy Scouts uh, was in, involved with that and, and at the age of 14 was leading over 20 young men um, on camping trips and, and on adventures and hikes and even took Brother Ben, who is a professional mountain climber now, uh, took him rappelling in the trip that I'll never forget. I just knew that Ben would never see his mother again. <clears throat> but uh, conflict resolution, right, Brother Ben? 
But if we use our, only our feelings and emotions, most of the conflict in our lives would only worsen and or they would never be resolved. The, the only way to escape it completely is to live in the desert or a deserted island. Some people just got excited. I didn't say a desert island. That would be awesome. But, but before Brother Johns invited me to work full-time at the church, I was an accounting manager with uh, several employees at my direction. Uh, I know personally about workplace conflict, so I didn't want you to think that all my workplace conflict came from Atlanta West, <laughs> just some. But before that, I, I had, had workplace conflict. So, so I'm speaking from experience. We would say in the, in the South, I got some corn in the crib in this area. So I understand workplace conflict, and um, I, I remember that I would find myself using humor to ease the tension at times, and imagine that. I love to have fun. But I just want to share a story with you. And, and if you're at work and you can, can put some humor into your life, it, it sort of eases. We need some comic relief sometimes if you're in a place that you can do that. Um, I remember that it was the quarter trustee meeting. I was preparing for the jury, the trustee report, and the trustee meeting fell on April 1st. I could do nothing about that. <laughs> and so this was an important trustee meeting where business decisions were being made, and so I manipulated the trustee report. And we were doing very well that quarter. I felt very good about the, the outcome and the bottom line. It looked very well. And so I just went from the top and started manipulating the numbers all the way down. And, I, and I, after I printed all the good ones, I printed them and I had them on my desk. Um, but then I messed around some. And I printed every trustee member an incorrect report. And so I walk in, I pass out. And, and, and the way that this would work would I pass out the trustee report. I would stay there and answer any financial questions that they had, and then I would simply move out while they took care of business. And so you could hear a pin drop after they opened that, and they looked at that bottom line. It wasn't black. It was red. And um, so the president stands up, and I'm, I'm a short fellow, and he's a tall fellow, about 6'4", 300 pounds, sort, sort of like Brother, Brother Billups back there, and... And he looked, he said, what is going on? And I said, well, sir, um, I've, I've told you that we probably need to curtail some spending here and there, and then you bought a new vehicle. And, and then I said, I, I, I can't, do that, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to go call the CPA, and he's going to meet us here because the end of, this, end of this month, we're not making payroll. And I saw his face turn blood red. And he walks over to the window and I'm like, <laughs> and I don't want to be mean, but the trustees really didn't know what was going on. They didn't realize that if that number was red, that wasn't good. They liked the colors on the paper. <clears throat> now, the, the secretary, the treasurer, he did, and he was going, and he didn't, no sound was coming out. And so um, I said, so I'm going to go get the CPA on the phone. He'll be here. We'll work through this. And um, he'll be here in a couple hours. And so I get to the door, and I look back, and I said, April Fool's. I take off running. <laughs> the president, you remember the big man, started chasing me down the hallway. <laughs> he, 
He pulled his belt off. <laughs> and he said, Brad Fain, there is not another human being in this world that could get by with what you just did to me. <laughs> you know, you just got to have a little humor sometimes. Timing is everything. Timing. Brother John's right after that. He invited me. God heard. No, no. Uh, but Brother O'Neill mentioned at the end of his message on Sunday a story that I had shared with him. I didn't know that he was going to share any of that. And I had the opportunity to help design the building that we were working in. And there was a large corridor right beside my office. And it was a glass wall on the exterior of the building. Beside my office was a glass wall. And, and I could actually see all the way outside from my office, sitting at my desk. I could see deer at times, and it was just, the scenery was beautiful, and, and I loved my work area right there, and um, I would, I would ha- it was 57 miles one way to work, and, and I would drive, can you say conflict? I love traffic, <laughs> conflict, and I would leave my house at 4.30 in the morning, and if I left at that time, I would miss all the traffic. I'd get to the office uh, by 5.30 or a quarter till 6, and I was the only one in the building for several hours. And at that time, I, I had my, my, my routine. I'd go in, turn the lights on because I was scared, and I would <laughs> make the coffee, check the temperature, and, uh, and then I would go to my office, and on a serious note, I, I, took, I did my devotions. I did devotion, and I prayed, and I had no idea that there was a soul that knew that I did any of that. I didn't advertise that. I wasn't going to boast. That's not something you boast. Um, and so a few, a few years later, I was invited back for a special dinner at that office, and, and I walk in, and I, I wanted to go down my corridor there. I walk down the corridor, and this lady comes running out of my old office, and she's like, Mr. Fain, Mr. Fain. I thought it was cool. Somebody said, Mr. Fain. And uh, so I turned around and said, yes, ma'am. And she said, you're, you're Brad Fain, right? He said, yes, ma'am. And she said, well, I chose your office because um, when I came here, I heard that you prayed in your office in the mornings. And uh, I, wanted that, I wanted that environment. And she turned around and she pointed at the Bible that was on her desk. And she said, um, I do my devotions in here every morning. And I just thought that you might want to know that. And, and so we talked for a few minutes, and I explained, you know, how that encouraged me. And uh, we, we, need to, we need to do those type of things at our places of business. There's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to advertise. You don't have to boast it. And maybe you don't have the opportunity to go in early, or it's not, you know, the right time. But if you can take a break, um, I believe that God helped me um, every day at work overcome conflict that was a part of a normal day's work because of the way that I started my day. It didn't keep me from it, but it helped me through it. It may not be possible for you, like I said, but if you have the extra time to do that. Um, I'd always think about musicians who would, who would tune their instruments before the performance. So I believe that if I tuned this instrument before I started my day, that the performance of my day would be God-led. And I love my devotions today. I love my morning devotions. We need to get that uh, taken care of first thing. It's no secret that everyone will have conflict unless you're all alone. And since that's 
not very realistic option for most of us. We'll be much better off learning to handle the conflict that comes up from day to day. But we want to be pretty practical today. We live and work together, so on some level of conflict is inevitable because friction is a sign of life in a relationship. Friction is a sign of life in relationships. I had a professor at Mercer University in a psychotherapy class that, that said the quiet relationships are the ones that she worried about the most. When the relationship becomes quiet, becomes stagnant, there's a lack of care, there's a lack of communication, that's when the relationship's in imminent danger. And whether that's a family relationship or a work relationship, you must communicate and communicate continually to resolve conflict. So I don't think that you are a horrible person and you don't need to think that of yourself, that you're a horrible person because you have some conflict. That's normal. But if you are the one who always has conflict with everyone at home, at work, with no resolve, please call the church and we can set up an appointment if you're okay with that. So, but conflict, it it does not have to control me. Say conflict doesn't have to control me. Neither does it have to escalate into a World War III every time two people disagree. There's a way to resolve our differences peacefully in a way that strengthens rather than destroys relationships. We, of course, believe that we can use the biblical principles, absolutely, and the Word of God to help with any conflict, home or work, friend or boss. The Word of God helps. Proverbs 12.18 says, Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. The New Living Translation version says, Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto, unto the hearer. So in other words, don't use harmful words. Use words that are helpful. Use words that build up and offer what's needed at that moment. As much as we want to let our flesh take over at times, Brother John, the the Bible gives clear instruction and admonition to do the right thing. Do the right thing. Romans 12, 17, 18, Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. As much as possible, as far as it depends on you, live in peace with everyone. Because it's a fact of life. If you associate in any way with people, again, you will experience conflict. I'll say this. If you want to live a restless, I would say a miserable life, then have unresolved conflict in your daily life. I think it's amazing that in one of the most famous sermons of Jesus... He talks a lot about the way we communicate and how we should act and how we should respond to others. In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. He didn't say blessed are those who can win an argument or blessed are those who can take control, but He said blessed are the peacemakers. I want to be a blessed person of God. I want to be a peacemaker. James 3.18 says, And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. So think about that. Think about a seed that is planted. You plant one seed, and if that's cultivated, you harvest many seeds. And all the fruit that is harvested there 
many seeds, it's exponential. It's exponential return. You plant and then you receive a lot more than you plant. Therefore, when we plant seeds of peace, a biblical principle is that we will harvest more peace exponentially. So I want to give you tonight a few steps to being the best you can be in conflict resolution. If you have ongoing, current, unresolved conflict in your life, I believe it's difficult to be in a right place with God. And so this is very serious. It's very important in our daily walk with God to not have ongoing conflict that you can resolve in your life. 1 John 4.20 says, If a man say... I love God and hateth his brother. He is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Now, I'm not going to take this scripture out of context. I know that it's talking about a brother or sister in Christ. But I truly believe that if we claim to love God and want to win the lost and want to be that witness, how can we have hate? and continued conflict in our own lives with anyone and be in a right relationship with God. Conflict in the workplace can destroy companies. It can destroy individuals, even destroy families. Major companies throughout America have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars to make sure that their employees can get counseling. Conflict among the job place can become very stressful Conflict will make a good employee into a disgruntled employee. A good company hazardous to your mental health. So, a few ideas based on the Word of God. When dealing with conflict, number one, I believe, is that we need to ask God for wisdom. Isn't, doesn't that sound so simple? Ask God for wisdom. Sometimes we let that flesh take over before we pray about it. Before we take it to the Lord before we ask God to intervene, then God, give me wisdom to take care of this situation. I know that this person doesn't have a relationship with you. I know that my company could care less that I'm a Christian and that I serve God and that I work on the children's ministry team. But what I know that I can do is I can ask you, God, for wisdom, and you're going to be there for me. It doesn't take brain calisthenics to understand as Christians in a culture that is so anti-Christ that we need wisdom of God in all that we do. Do everything in word and deed in Jesus' name. Amen? Never underestimate the power of prayer. So look at this. I love this scripture. I'm glad it's right here. James 1 and 5. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. That's pretty clear. God is saying, some of you need wisdom. Ask for it. So, when we ask something of God, we need to be prepared to hear something from God. Use that wisdom from God to resolve the conflict. Your attitude, your words, your timing... Because so many factors play in. Don't forget Proverbs 3 where it says, lean not to your own understanding. We need to lean on God. Number two, make the first move. Number two, make the first move. It's not a weakness that if you know there is a conflict between you and a coworker, 
that you make the first move to correct that situation and approach the person face to face respectfully. Respectfully. Remember, Jesus said it was your responsibility to make the first move. We can read again. Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. A peacemaker is someone who is making peace. If you're not making the first move, you're not the maker. We must be peacemakers. Also, you must be intentional to reconcile. You will be surprised at the positive aspects of not waiting. I talked to a businessman earlier today, and and he was talking about kind of being forthright and bold in his statements when dealing in conflict, not being a smart aleck, being confident in the job that he needed to accomplish, and being correct in his timing of when he needed to say something. You can do that respectfully. I've heard so many times that time is the healer of all things. I understand the well intentions of those who have made this comment, but I simply believe it's not true. Think about it this way. If time heals all things, then just go and sit in the emergency waiting room and see what happens. No matter that you're bleeding profusely, just keep waiting. Time's going to heal that pumpkin. It's probably not going to happen. The same way that the physical body will only worsen in that situation, conflict will probably only worsen, not heal with time. It may appear to go away, but is only masked and could rear its ugly head at any time. And maybe you can't even choose that time that it rears itself. Jesus instructs us here too. Guess where? Sermon on the Mount. It's wonderful. He says in Matthew 5, 23, So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Don't everybody leave. But this is how important it is to Jesus to not have conflict with someone. He said, if you're at the altar and, and you are worshiping in your giving, if you're bringing a sacrifice to the altar and something comes to mind that there's conflict, he said, you leave that sacrifice right there. You go fix that problem, then come back and offer that sacrifice. That's important to Jesus. And that should be important to us. And we understand timing. We understand what we can do. And you understand what Jesus is saying here. Jesus understood that there were people that had long-standing conflict. His point was not to keep putting reconciliation off for another time or another day. Take care of it. You may have conflict in your life that's been going on for weeks, for months, maybe even years. Jesus says take care of it. Number three, begin with, what's my fault? When you make that approach, you begin that approach tactfully with, with what, what it is that's your fault and your problem in this situation. It may be 99.99999% their fault, but instead of approaching 
what may, may be a, a hostile, a fragile situation and conflict, look at what's going on inside of me. Look what's going on inside of you. I want to accept any responsibility that I can to resolve this conflict right now. When this is your approach and you are sincere, this vulnerable act of kindness can make you become so transparent to the person which you have conflict with. James 4.1 says, What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? He answers his own question. He asks the question, and then he answers it with a question. Think about that. When I'm at peace inside, what's outside does not control me. It doesn't upset me. This doesn't mean that I just agree with everything, a weak pushover, but it does help me control my reactions. It's always more rewarding to resolve a conflict than to dissolve a relationship. I'll say that again. It's always more rewarding to resolve a conflict than to dissolve a relationship. Have you ever noticed that it's the selfish and the prideful individuals that are always getting their feelings hurt? It's those selfish people, the prideful people who, who are, are all into the middle of the conflict and the situation. The humble people can withstand. Humble people can withstand so much more. Proverbs 13.10 says, Pride only leads to arguments. The next time that you are in a standoff and you are thinking back at what Brother Brad said about conflict and that I need to make the first move, think about this one sentence. The one sentence that can deflate the most angry of selfish or prideful individuals. Look at them right in the eye and say, I'm sorry, I was only thinking about myself in that situation. Can you please forgive me? You sense my sarcasm. But how many times has there been conflict And if you did approach the situation that way, it would probably be over with. And I'm talking to myself as well. We don't want, in a conflict situation, to take the blame. But look at what's what's my fault in this situation. Number four, listen for their hurt and perspective. Listen for their hurt and perspective. Individuals argue mostly over things of emotion or passion, meaning things that they've become emotional about or passionate about. I've said it more than I can count, that hurting people hurt people. You've heard that. How many have heard that statement? Hurting people hurt people. Think about this. Individuals who are filled with love love others. People who are filled with joy They share joy with others, but hurting people hurt people. When people feel that they are not being listened to, that can be hurtful. So start with their hurt. Start with their pain. It could be something that has nothing to do with work at all. And they're bringing it to work with them because they have nowhere else to bring it because they carry it with them every single day. It could be their past. It could be a domestic issue that you have no clue about. It could be something that within their life that they've held on to and it's a tight secret with them 
and it's manifesting itself in other ways, and all you're wanting to do is get your way through that situation. We need to listen to the hurt and pain. Don't forget that we're Christians. Don't forget that we're apostolics. Don't forget that we're trying to win people to the Lord with our life, with our actions, with our words, with our facial expressions. We can witness with all of those things. Don't discount that. I fully understand, I realize it's not your problem to deal with personal issues that are being brought to the workplace. But I believe scripturally, we're commanded to love. We're commanded to love. And love has very wide parameters. And listens very well. James 1.19 says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Always listen. Maybe you need to, we need to listen a little deeper at times to the heart of a person, to their hurt, to their pain, to help resolve conflict. Remember that you may not always see their circumstances. I received a very informative email from Sister Miriam. Thank you for that. And Sister Miriam, uh, night, as she explained to me her job and the types of conflict that she deals with on a daily basis at work, she's in a management position. And something that really caught my eye in your message to me was that in dealing with a specific problem person who, who had brought her fair share conflict, Sister Miriam thought outside the box of, of listening deeper than what the situation was at hand. And she even brought homemade cookies and milk to an individual. Maybe this young lady, the first thing I thought, maybe this young lady didn't have a mother's love that you were sharing at that moment. It doesn't have to be a traditional conflict resolution that you're working, that you're sharing, that you're helping someone. You know what? Somebody just needs you to put a hand on their shoulder and encourage them with a nice, kind word. This resolution worked. And the way that I understand now, this young lady has has even applied for promotion in this company. But if there wasn't a sensitive heart, a sensitive ear to listen and to love and to accept and to help walk someone through a situation, that's beautiful conflict resolution. I commend you for that. We need to learn to do more of that. We need to be willing to go the extra mile with individuals in conflict resolution. Every time I say the word extra mile, I think about the Jew who was under the Roman reign. And if this Roman soldier saw the Jew, then that Roman soldier had right by law to look at that Jew and say, carry my, carry my backpack, carry my supplies, all of my equipment for one mile. That Jew, whatever they were doing, they had to stop what they were doing. They had to put that backpack on. They had to carry that equipment for one mile. But what Jesus said is go, go the extra mile. Don't just carry it one mile. Carry it the extra mile. We need to do things. Like, we need to pick up something sometimes and carry it for someone because they're not doing a good job carrying it themselves. We need to show love. People feel validated when they're being listened to. Seek to understand before seeking to be understood. 
Seek to understand before seeking to be understood. We don't know their past. Because if you had a father like they did, you might have a messed up perspective yourself. If you had that bigotry in your family, you may have some of the same problems that they're dealing with. Your family may not understand what they're going through. Maybe it's uncomprehendable for you to understand that. Listen a little deeper. Open your heart a little wider. Be that godly example. Not just the bigger person. Be humble. I like a quote I heard Rick Warren from Saddleback Church say. He said, Stop looking at how far people have to go and start looking at how far they have come. Paul said to the Romans in Romans 15, We should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. And then number five, and this is my last point, Brother Brandon. Speak the truth tactfully. No matter how upset you can become, it is never justified to be rude or hateful. Never justified to be rude or hateful. We hear some people make the comment of, well, I just say it like it is. I just say, be careful, you may be a jerk and will probably not be a great witness for the Lord. Sometimes saying it like it is can destroy a person. There's a difference in being confident and helpful at the right time, like our brother has told us, and being rude and unapproachable. Ephesians 4.15 says, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of His body, the church. Sister Reyes, I love Mexican food. Make a truth burrito. Wrap it in love. We need to think about the approach versus the message. Remember in conflict resolution, your approach can make all the world of difference. You could use the exact same words, but with the wrong approach, and it could mean the difference in full reconciliation. You could use the exact same words, but the way you speak it the way you look, your facial expression could change everything. And remember, conflict in a workplace can destroy companies. It can destroy individuals. And then the domino effect is that it could destroy families. It could be your word. It could be your encouragement. It could be your way of conflict resolution that could change someone's life forever. And hopefully, you could lead them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That must be our goal, ultimately. That must be our goal. To seek and save that which is lost. Proverbs twelve eighteen. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. In conflict resolution, we need to learn to attack the issue, not the person. Church in your home, attack the issues, not your loved ones. 
Remember hurting people hurt people? But just as true, you hurt the ones you love the most. Solomon said, Avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. Only fools insist on quarreling. I'll never forget watching Brother Greg Boyd, who's an executive with Flower Bakery, deal with a conflict here at the church with a, with a person one day. And I w- I've always considered myself nice, pleasant, kind, but Brother Greg taught me something that day. I watched how he presented the situation pleasant, kind, but firm, and he extinguished that situation within moments. And I like what he said. I was sitting there watching, and he turned around and smiled at me. He didn't even want to pat on the back for the great job. He said, Brother Brad, always carry around and be ready to use an extra I'm sorry or please or thank you. That's not hard to do. I don't really know anyone who likes conflict resolution. And any other individual qualified to get up here and speak about conflict resolution, you may have 20 other points that I have not brought up today. But of course, we can't bring everything up. But these are the points that I felt most important in this type of situation to bring up today. Each of these points can also be used in your personal relationships. Mostly when we talk about conflict resolution with personal resolution and personal relationships, we are discussing forgiveness. And Matthew 18 is the chapter that we go to that best describes dealing with conflict in the home. So remember that, Matthew chapter 18, and, and study that. But Matthew 18, verse 35 I believe it's probably the should be I'm going to say the most alarming scripture in the word to me. When it says that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. And if you read that chapter, it means that if I don't forgive that everything that I've ever asked God to forgive me for could be placed back upon me. I don't even remember what I've asked God to forgive me for. But I'm going to love people. And I, I I want to forgive because I don't want that on me. And if you need to forgive co-workers, if you need to forgive a boss, if you need to forgive a, a supervisor, if you need to forgive a family member, I promise you it will benefit you. And it may help save them. Let's all stand. Church, we must love. We must forgive. We must reconcile at home and at work in our daily lives another. Let's all pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, for the opportunity, Lord, today, God, to hit the highlights of conflict resolution, conflict resolution at the workplace, 
God, and I want to do my part to encourage those around me in all situations. God, I don't want it to be a conflict within my own mind of, am I doing the right thing? But that, God, my walk with You and my diligence to obey the Word of God will rule my life in all situations. God, this topic that we're talking about, You said it so clearly in the Sermon on the Mount. We need to take care of it. We don't need to stick our head in the sand and think that it will go away. But we need to ask forgiveness. Say, I'm sorry. We need to make the first move. We need to ask for your wisdom. We need to listen to hurt and pain. In Jesus' name. If we could, if we could all make our way to the altar for just a few moments. I know this is a very practical talk tonight. But it's a talk that should hit home to most every individual here. And I wish that I could simply speak words and conflict resolution would fall off. It would be no more. I know that Brother Johns wishes that he could preach a message and conflict resolution would just reside and, and, and flow through every family represented in the church. But this stinking flesh of ours wants to hold on to it. Doesn't want you to have peace in your life, that's for sure. Doesn't want you to follow the principles of the Word of God. But conflict doesn't have to control you. You can control it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's just all take a few moments. They're going to begin to sing and worship. And let's pray and ask the Lord to touch our hearts, each one of us today. You're possibly thinking of a situation right now with a coworker. You're possibly thinking of a situation with a supervisor, a manager, a CEO, where your voice may not be heard. But God can intervene and God can take place in that situation right now, even with a prayer. Let's all pray together. I said, touch the Lord right now. Reach out to God. You may think that your situation, your scenario, is too small for God to care about. The Lord cares. I feel the presence of the Lord in a mighty way. That's it. Reach out to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus, for the word of the Lord that is like the dew of heaven soaking us tonight, saturating our minds and spirits. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Amen. Amen. Brother Brad Fame was so kind, but so clear, and the Word of God is so powerful. Amen. I want to just recap a couple of things. First of all, did you happen to notice how many references were from the book of Proverbs? There have been times that I have diagnosed the book of Proverbs to people. Read it through 31 chapters every month. It wouldn't hurt any of us to read it through over and over and highlight, memorize, meditate on, commit to memory, and get it in our spirit because Proverbs gives us so much insight into life. So many practical things. And then so much of what Brother Brad said was reminded me of what I've said before, that he's just like the relationship guy. That most of us have a really good magnifying glass. Like the person that sees the moat in the other person's eye. And it's just our nature to find the defect in the other person. But we are terrible at holding the mirror up to ourselves and seeing the beam that is in our own eye. And when he said, seek to understand, so I would like for us to go instead of accusing and assuming that the other person is wrong. A lot of things are a misunderstanding. You're not right, they're not wrong. They're not right, you're not wrong. Now, sometimes that you may be. Sometimes you just missed. You misunderstood. And following what he taught us tonight will help us be better at really hearing what the other person's saying and trying to understand. What tremendous teaching. We ought to just give Brother Brad a hand for a tremendous, outstanding, practical. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but if you've got unfinished business, you brought something to the altar tonight that belongs to God, a gift, an offering, a sacrifice, but you remember while you're at the altar, you've got unresolved conflict, go first. Make peace with that person. Come back and offer the gift. You say, well, I've got a problem person. No matter what I do, I can't get peace with him. He covered that tonight as much as it's up to you. You do everything in your power to make it right. Lord, bless us tonight. Help us be Christians at work, at home, and everywhere we go. Let us be salt and light because you've made a difference in us. Let us make a difference in the world. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Fellowship with one another. Have a great evening. God bless you. Sunday, we'll wrap it up and head toward November.